is time to tune up the band by any means necessary, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Reardon and Dan, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Chaps, how are you doing today? Um, My voice is a little... Sh- it's going to be a little sore, because... Last night was a lot of drinking and karaoke singing. And for the first time in a long time, my voice actually cracked. <laughs> Which was kind of like, oh, that doesn't normally happen. Shit, mm. I, am, I am belting out a bit too, too hard. Oh, but, uh, dang. But apart from that, I'm, I am all good. Shout out to the, to the karaoke crew, some of whom are now listening to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> it isn't just Melee listening in. He's always listening in. That that guy, he cannot leave. He just will not leave. <laughs> How are you doing, Dan? <laughs> I am all good. It's been, not crisis stations, but busy, busy. Yeah, that's that's been very similar for me. It's been kind of a very... um. Not 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 enough time in the week to get stuff done, sort of uh, time when it with work. Um, but hey, at least I have a new skill now. I now know how to do, seemingly how to do Rocket League cinematics. So uh, watch out, nineteen-year-old yeah. video editors. I'm covered for your jobs. <laughs> 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 oh, who am I kidding? I'm, the skill set. The skill set is expanding. That's yes. that's what I'm trying to say to myself anyway. <laughs> Oh, but apart from that, it's been it's been an okay week. Anyway, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms and the order of how I say that. You know, guys, <laughs> I thought of a lot of of um a lot of gags for for this one, considering who we are um speaking about. But um, all of them would get us cancelled. So I will simply say <laughs> that we are always pending and always, always will be. And we will leave it at that this week. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get on to our episode, chronicling the career of the nation of domination, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 down. Wrestling news. Okay, let's be honest. There's only one big talking factor we've got for this week, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, and let's talk about it. Um, it's been announced by uh, Sting that he will be retiring at Revolution 2024. Man, what a career that man has had um, seemingly, you know, going in for being forced into retirement to coming back and being like spinal stenosis. Fuck that. <laughs> well, this this is this is what I'm saying because obviously, a we're going to get in there. We said it already before we started, but we saw Sting before he retired. Unreal. Yes. I'm so yes. happy but, about that. <laughs> but second of all, just like. As a as a general thing, quite possibly one of the greatest old man runs in wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Without absolutely. a shadow of like, a doubt. It, it, like 
what I what I love is that AEW straight gave him the uh, what I call the old dojo master treatment. Yep. Yeah. Because I don't know, I don't know, if, I don't know if people will know about this specific thing, right? Well, when you have like martial arts schools and stuff, and there's like the guy who's like the head of the school, and he's like ninety, and then everyone shows him respect, like yep. when he's doing stuff. Like that's that's the vibe I get from the run, and it's unreal. It's so good. The 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 filth of WrestleMania 31 clearly washed away. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, is it just me, or is there a thing in wrestling that once you hit late fifties, you become absolutely nuts and start doing stuff that you never did in your entire career? Well, I'm talking about Terry Funk as well in this regard. Well, I feel like I feel like well, I mean, I feel like for a for, te- a for Terry Funk, that's just Terry Funk anyway. Yes. God I bless think that, in to to use the mod to use the language of the youth, um, he always had that dog in him. Always. Um, but like I feel like for a lot of a lot of guys, when they reach that point, it's like the you know the the I'll take whatever bookings I can get. Yeah. <laughs> and and like you 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 know you end you end up with stuff where it's like fifty you end up like fifty sixty year old former WWE mid carder. Doing like a a random death match show, I'll have like a show in like middle ass nowhere, Ohio. Whereas with 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 Sting, it was literally just like, now nah, we're just gonna let you, we're just gonna let you have like one on one one on top, just just go out there, be Sting, and then we'll sort out the rest. And yeah. that's that's so based. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy it's literally go out go out there, do the stuff people want to see. And then just have have fun with it. I think what's crazier as well is you cannot deny with this run as well that Sting has legitimate made his claim of the past few years being one of the best in the world still at in his sixties. <laughs> like I feel like me. the thing is it it shows how it shows how well Sting gets wrestling exactly exactly because like. It it's kind of hard just not to to vibe with the guy. <laughs> Again, there's something that just that just doesn't hit quite as much as sting a splash, sting a splash, screaming at the top of your lungs, Scorpio death drop, Scorpio death lock. I don't think there's anything that hits as hard as like that it, for it, wrestling. <laughs> in in the words of Todd Howard, it just works. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> except for Starfield. No, I'm just kidding. Well, you know, <laughs> it works. Uh, you know. So, I guess the question is: we can, if we're going to put our fantasy booking caps on, who would you like to see as Sting's final opponent at Revolution? See, I know that Darby Allen has said that no, I will never fight Sting. I'm like, fair enough, but you're fighting Sting. <laughs> it's the perfect torch bet passing moment. There, there's I. There's only one guy. It's him. The, the, I don't, that's I don't... the thing, right? But I feel like that's the that's the very natural choice. Yeah. But personally, like taking taking Alan's word, you know, as to be followed, as being like, I will not have a match with Sting. I feel like personally, the only two valid options are. Someone, someone that you can 
you know, some someone that you want to get the rub from being the guy who retired Sting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know necessarily who that is in AEW. I'm sure that there, I'm sure there's someone that can fill that niche in that time. Mm. Or and Sam's going to be freaking out over all of this. Come on, it's got <laughs> New Japan old boy. <laughs> Oh. Oh. Pick one of them. <laughs> oh, oh! Don't give and me that. I mean, is. I was going to say two, two, two. I need two sixty-year-olds beating the crap out of each other. That's the only <laughs> other response I'll accept. Musa just comes out of retirement for that. Oh my! <laughs> no, 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 Musa! You don't need to do the moonsault again. <laughs> oh no, that would be. I, I, I mean, Stinger versus Bread Club Kojima to give me that match. I mean, honestly, I think I think we we had to see at the very least one time of Sting versus Adam Copeland. I feel that needs to happen before. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that will ha- I feel like that will happen. Oh yeah. my god, could you imagine if it was Sting versus Christian? <laughs> that would see. Honestly, that's the only other person I can it's, think of. It's True. Sting ver- it's Sting versus Christian and then Christian beats Sting and then Christian cuts a promo on Darby Allen and says I I I retired your father figure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That that Look would, it, Tony. That would <laughs> honestly slap. Oh, e- 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 equal, equally um find find an equivalently old luchador. Mm. I'll also accept that. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, jo- I'm just joking. Like, ah, oh, from the forbidden door, Mark Calloway. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. I think, I think that would gen. If there were like, um, those, like proper, like those WWE accounts, I genuinely think their brains would melt. Yeah. 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 Mark Calloway is all elite. No. <laughs> Look, I'll say this. If you want to go luchador... That's incredible. <laughs> if you want to go old luchador, I feel like you need to put one icon with another icon and basically just make it Sting versus El Hijo del Santo. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like one of those could... One of those could... Uh, yeah. Could I mean, work. The, the working relationship now that they have uh, with CMLL is... Is uh is makes that more possible than ever. I say. Um, speaking of actually of CMLL, uh, Rampage's yes. episode was definitely a one I could say was definitely dedicated to Lucha Libre, and I was so happy to see that because it seems like there is now a really positive working relationship between uh, AEW and the oldest wrestling promotion in the world. I mean, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is. <laughs> certified draw mystico that's crazy mystico drew more than adam copeland amazing shit can i just get that picture of the guy that's in the army cadets unicorn who says god bless cmll <laughs> <laughs> god, god bless mexico <laughs> oh man it was great to see and honestly his match with rocky romero Oh, thing they, of were, they, were, they, were, they were cooking. They absolutely they were, cooking. were cooking. And I think and what I was really happy to see is that the crowd were receptive to it. 
and really were really drawn in with it, which I was so kind of really chuffed to see, especially for Mystico, who, of course, his reputation in America isn't been has been tarnished with the whole Sin Cara thing. We discussed it at length with the whole Sin Cara episode. The reason we didn't go into Mystico that much is because it was a dedicated Sin Cara thing. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I rest assured, if there, if we, if when we come back next year, maybe a year or the year after that, we are definitely doing an episode of Mr. Code because his his iconic status in Mexico is something that definitely does need to have a full episode because you need to realize that this man, dare I say, at this moment in time, is just as if not more popular than El Hijo, oh sorry, as El Santo. Or just reaching his zenith of popularity. Is I would Santa. say, I would say, reaching. I mean, to be fair, like he is when it comes to Mexican wrestling, he is the guy. Mm. <laughs> like people love him, and that, and I love that that's translating over more to an, a U.S. audience. I'm really happy to see as well <laughs> that the access to CMLL is has become a hell of a lot easier now with oh yeah live streaming stuff on YouTube, which is just thank you. Whoever was on the executive board of CMLL who made that decision, because you've made it so much easier to watch Lucha Libre. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's, there's no, there's no more having to watch a guy stream off a Twitch stream. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, great match from the pair of them, honestly, and they delivered and then some to it. But again, that's you can't say much more from Mr. Cohen, Rocky Romero, two guys that are. So damn good. See, but this do. is what I was saying because Rocky Romero over the last two years has had has been having a time, bro. He really has, and it's been very under the radar for a lot of people as well. Yeah, it's been low key, but like he's he's been he's been going, and it, it's it's kind of crazy. I I and and then just say he just looks so damn fucking cool as well. I just give props to Rocky Romero for look, always just looking really fucking cool. <laughs> Great match. Highly recommend it. If you if you can't find the whole thing, I even recommend watching the highlights that you can find on AEW's YouTube. You won't be disappointed. They also uploaded the same highlights package, but this time in Spanish commentary. And it just works. It works so well. <laughs> and as well, and as well, um, we now have the announcement of Andrade versus Brian Danielson. <laughs> it's just... Oh, boy. Just hey. hook it to my van. <laughs> this is what i'm saying man like all of this is aew is now doubling down on actually bringing a lot more lucha influence in and besides i think if anything i think this is what brian's been clamoring for since he joined aew was like give me all the lucha doors give me all the lucha doors <laughs> i what i i need you to understand give me every lucha door you have <laughs> Oh, bad. Oh, talking of Adam Copeland, I don't know if you guys heard, but he's staked his, staked his claim into, uh, into wanting to be part of the G1 Climax next year, to which I say, fuck it, why not? Yeah, it, it, I mean, straight up, fuck it, we ball. But also, Adam, think of your neck, please. Yeah, I was going to say. And, and I'm, only, I'm only saying that because he's going to be having to work Road 2 shows as well. Yeah. Like he's gonna be dealing with six man tags in like two thousand people arenas. Like he's, you gotta think about the long game that comes with it. <laughs> Are you prepared to do a three match series with Chase Owens and six man tags? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he 
Tomohiro Ishii takes him aside and says, do you know, you, you know what's up with your neck? Just look at me. This is what happens when you don't like, take it, care it, of your it's, neck. It's, <laughs> it's not even about the thing of like protecting it. I'm just like, he's going to have to do so many shows. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he'll be fine. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's a, a little weird one. As for stuff in WWE... Well, it seems like everything has gone kind of tits up for one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Um, he's had the rug pulled from under him as Ari Emanuel, the CEO of TKO Group Holdings, has basically um, relieved Vince of all his creative power. I mean, basically, though, the essence I'm getting from it is that the dude's just like, hey, uh, Vince... Can you just do the job we pay you for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, we pay you to be the CEO of the WWE side of things. So can you like just be the C- CEO? <laughs> do that company, stuff. Don't do, no, don't do anything else. Like that. That's literally all. I, that's what I understand from it. God damn it! You mean to tell me I grow this mustache for nothing? Goodness gracious! Uh, from what I've heard as well. Ari Manuel, everyone in Endeavor, seems to be incredibly happy with how Triple H has um, taken the creative reins and, and uh, they seemingly ran with it. Um, yeah. Uh, with Especially not only just with uh, how receptive crowds have been to storylines, but just, um, well, the professionalism of it in, in the fact that they, uh, they, they have everything scheduled the day of and nothing changes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Which makes for good backstage morale. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> it's almost like when you give people what they want, they're happy. Crazy how that works, isn't it? Because it was the thing. It was the thing everyone was saying. Was saying about how WWE is doing really well recently, especially after Vince being taken off. I'm like, to a yeah, certain extent, because yes, people, yeah. pe- because people are actually like getting what they want and enjoying the product <laughs> exactly exactly it's becoming again it's once again it's swung right back around to being what a once and now watchable program <laughs> yeah so what it was like when vince first left and retired ah <laughs> 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 oh, man thing is though i, I still love the thing the line uh, that was said uh, Vince apparently said was that the reason he came back was that the WWE product was in the doldrums and needed him around. Well, clearly it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, all this being said, though, uh, um, the deal looks like it's still uh, proving quite fruitful for Endeavor and for the UFC. Uh, the plans are in motion now, I believe, to do more of these... Uh, big week extravaganzas where WWE yeah. and UFC will still will be in the same town putting on events as well. They'll have Raw Smackdowns and then the UFC events and the big old pay-per-views there. Um, Could you imagine, though, that genuinely this TKO endeavor just ends up reinventing a worse pride? I I, I don't... I, 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 I shudder <laughs> at the thought of that, especially when TKO have actually now put in a bid to buy the PGA Tour. What? Yeah, they they because uh, the Saudi Arabian Investment Fund were yeah. the front runners to buying the PGA Tour. Yeah, and then there was like an opposition thing to it. Yes, 
and so TKO swooped TKO swooped in with an offer of their own, and they they're in one. I think they're one of the front runners at the moment to buy the PGA. <laughs> so WWE, Stick. UFC, and golf. Mate, stick Rory McIlroy in the Royal in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh, oh man, Tiger Woods. Could you imagine that? No, I don't want to. I heard. Tiger I heard. Woods. I. I heard. I heard rumors. There's going to be a push for VJ Singh. I don't even know if he plays golf anymore. It's just a name I know. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, yeah, golf. WWE. <laughs> yeah, insert WWE golf pun. Uh, uh, freak show boxing happening. Logan Paul challenging Rey Mysterio. Drew McIntyre's PGA golf. Yeah. <laughs> Drew McIntyre's. <laughs> Instead of a driver, it's just the Claymore sword. He right, you heard. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. There's going to be a WWE crossover the next PGA Tour game. Don't you even will that because the wwe and pga golf games are both made by 2k so it's not fucking like out of the realms of possibility dad dirt sheets get get my number <laughs> um anyway though i'm cutting the news there good thank god for that thank god for that let's go over to recommendation corner Reardon, do you have anything else for us this week yes 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 i do so um, to recommend first and foremost, um, I would like to recommend as because we're doing two like separate little things. <laughs> um, I would like to recommend the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast, uh... talk, which is talking about some of the worst military people events in all of history. It's a really fun podcast. I really enjoy it because mm. you know history is my kind of bad, my kind of bag. So it's good. It's good little stuff. Check it out. On the on the Black History side of things, guys, how do you feel about Spike Lee? I can't sometimes understand I the black he gets as a director because I do enjoy some of the films he makes. Yep. I was going to say, as a film director, it's changeable. As a attendant to LA Lakers games. Oh, oh very undeniable. Oh, oh, top tier. Top tier, guy. Top tier for that. Yes, uh, Spike Lee, um, he has his ups and downs with his, mo- with his movies, but d- without a doubt, one of the most influential filmmak- American filmmakers in modern history. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to recommend what people like... The, the rivalry of, of um, the other magnum opus of his, Malcolm X, because I think it felt it appropriate. <laughs> you know what? Great shout. It's a great film. Yeah. And also, and also, you know, one of the greatest biographical films ever made. So Absolutely. I'm recommending. I, I am recommending Malcolm X. Let's go. It's crazy. I was actually watching it. Uh, I've watched it... Oh quite recently i want to say that's uh, like a few months ago it's crazy how well that film has aged i know because sometimes period pieces can very much look at the time it was uh, like produced and filmed that one that one is so kind of like so damn good with how it really 
took the period of 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 the time of Malcolm X that it does look very timeless. Also, I was watching a very high resolution version of it, so the the film the film uh, the film looked really kind of crisp as well. So that probably had something to do with it. Nice, but yeah, I, it's been a hot minute. I think I watched that movie a bit too young, so I need to rewatch it. <laughs> But then again, it's one of those things where, so, where, where where one of your parents says, "Oh, it's a film with Denzel Washington in it. It shouldn't be too bad. He's a, he's a, he's, a, he's an acting phenomenon." Yeah, it's either that or it was. It's time to learn. Time to learn some history, and then you learn the history far too young. <laughs> you learn the history in a trial of fire. Yeah. <laughs> also, may I just say, Spike Lee, uh, the guy that also rem- that did the uh, Hollywood remake of Old Boy as well, if memory serves me correct. He did. Uh, I believe so. Which it is... is, in fact, one of the films that have ever been made. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. With that, it is time to get on to our episode on the Nation of Domination. Fellas, we have chronicled a few of the members of the Nation in previous episodes, and we've mentioned them here and there in subsequent other episodes, uh, dating back when we talk about the Attitude Era. I guess the first question is this. Do you guys have any memory of the nation? And if you do, what is the first memory that comes into your mind of the nation of domination? Okay, um, Reardon, go for yours first because mine is unhinged. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, I do remember the nation. Um, but I, I very specifically remember it back when um, The Rock had just joined. Mm. That is the time where I where I actually remember the nation of domination. Yes. And uh, having conflicted feelings on all of it as a young man, <laughs> <laughs> which we will get into. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dan. Okay. So before I ever had any true awareness of who the Nation of Domination were or anything to do with them, I was unknowingly aware of them because of a collection of wrestling figures that my brother had. (laughs) And I never knew any bit about this until ages later. And I want to say it was one of the WWE games or something that included Nation of Domination attires for like the people that were in it. Mm. And I was like, Oh my god, this is a thing that's happened. What what the, the hell is this? <laughs> uh ain't it crazy to think that my memory, first memory of the nation, ended up being the one where Rock was the leader and he recruited Owen Hart as uh, as co-leader yes. of the nation. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Which uh yeah, I think everyone everyone can tell you that Owen. I was going to say, a, a, a an angry Canadian fits perfectly in with the next domination. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's get into the start of the really weird, muddy, started history of the nation of domination. So, the group, the concepts of the group comes from the USWA in and around 1996. Basically, they were loosely based on two specific groups, the Nation of Islam and the Black Panther Party, which, if you haven't seen, is I think it's kind of blatantly obvious that that's the case. I mean, if they were trying to be on the nose, they kind of took to it with the grace of 
punching someone in the nose. Ah, oh, God, don't make me have to explain the nuances of the Black Panther Party and the Nation of Islam on this show. <laughs> Look, That's I'm not right. gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna force you to. Really. No, there's, there, there, I think, I feel like there's a key part to this, which is obviously as a black wrestling group choosing to embody two, at least in US terms, incredibly controversial, shall we say? Yes. <laughs> um. You know, um, I don't even know what kind of you do it. Black empowerment groups mm. is going to have a result in a wrestling context, especially one which is largely dominated by white people. Yes, in and exactly. in the nineteen nineties, ninety six. You say is 90, when they. Yes. So yeah. so four years after the LA riots. Yeah. Yes. More than within living memory, <laughs> yeah. But like, as a as a as a general thing, where was USWA based? Memphis, Tennessee. It was just oh, so. Goody. <laughs> oh, goody, goody, goody. So, so to set your stage, you are in a would say broadly southern identifying state. Yes. Um. Oh God, I'm gonna have to tell you about the original incarnation, which just makes I think makes um, you even more angry. <laughs> You said we're four years after the LA riots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're in a entertainment context, which has just started to see um, the commercial rise of things like uh, gangster rap. Yep. And um, the explosion of black artists um, into mainstream media. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, God, yeah, that's... What, what, what a time. What a time to introduce the group, eh? What a choice. So, this is the bit where I'm going to have to really kind of um, prepare you uh, to for talking about the original incarnation, the USWA net version of the Nation of Domination that was formed in 1996. The group was actually led by the rap tag team of PG-13, the team of JC Ice and Wolfie D. They were both white. And off to a great start. USWA. I am going to Off give... to a wonderful start. I'm also, before I even do this, I'm going, uh, well, after I'm done, I'm going to give you guys uh, an image of the USWA incarnation of the nation. And it's very low res, just to give you uh, a, a, like even more like, like visual confirmation of, of all of this. So include, right, uh, rounding out the team of, uh, of, of the nation, uh, with JC Ice and Wolfie D leading, we had Kareem Elijah one or the wrestler known as Reggie B. Fine before that. Sir Mohammed, who was Sir Mo from Men on a Mission. Oh my god. Akeem Mohammed, who was originally known in the USWA as the Big Black Dog. We had Elijah, who was known who was Fantasio in the WWE. Oh my god, that's a deep cut. Queen Moesha, who was Jacqueline, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, Shaquille Ali, Tracy Smothers, yes, noted journeyman 
wrestler who was once part of the Four-Blooded Italians, who is about as our shucks American white white male as you yeah. possibly get, was billed <clears throat> as Shaquille Ali. There, there, okay. So, I've got like, I had like two things to talk about. I've got three now. <laughs> Which is, I don't know why... Why Tracy's mothers need Tracy's to be involved. Mothers? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with this. I don't know why this keeps happening with Tracy's mother just being involved in everything that she has no right to be involved in. Um, I love Tracy's mother. My, sec- he, he my second one was going to be uh, a Tennessee wrestling group having a wrestler called The Big Black Dog is horrifying. Yeah, yeah that's that is one of the most horrifying things I've heard. Like that is genuinely like holy shit this yeah. is like remember this in, is they this are is... they are in your face about this being racismo yeah and this is uh this, this is jerry lawler we're talking about who has no subtlety yeah. whatsoever um, yeah. and also just to like set a sense of where we are in the social context uh three years prior to the formation of this group would have been the release of enter the 36 chambers Yes, and the same year as the formation of this group would have been the release of All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Mm-hmm. So, like, just for our audience to know where we are, <laughs> the group was eventually ra- uh, rounded out by Randy Hales, who now had the new ring name Randy X. Because subtlety. So, to give you a context, gentlemen, here is Wolfie D and J.C. Ice in there as the nation leaders with Queen, Queen Moesha and Sir Mohammed. That's just two vanilla ices. No, yeah. they absolutely were. And their original version of the nation theme was actually made in the USWA. And these two, PG-13, actually rapped to the song. Yeah. No, but like straight up, these actually look like two clones of Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yeah, for one thing. For another thing, yeah, you can tell that like um, I don't know if it's to their credit, but they were at least aware enough of the culture that that is absolutely one hundred percent NWA cosplay. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. not even a question. That's, yeah, that's, that's NWA. With no, without a doubt, that is like. At least they have the cultural sense to at least mimic the NWA. Yes. I was going to say, was Wolfie D just a play on Easy E? It most likely was. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, Wolfie D would end up eventually dropping that rapper gimmick and actually ended up being uh, having a time in ECW and TNA, where he was managed by Father James Mitchell as the as for the Disciples of the New Church, which you believe, Dad. <laughs> I mean, that's just TNA, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah it's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty it's much. It's just yeah. TNA, isn't it? Okay, so. Can't really say too much to that one. So, with this and their working relationship with the WWF at the time, a separate group named uh, the Nation of Domination was formed in the WWF. Uh, the idea caught the attention of Farouk, who was dwindling in the lower to mid card when he had his galactic gladiator gimmick, if you remember from the episode oh we talked gosh. about him. Oh, yeah. 
So Farouk saw what was going on in the USWA and saying, all right, um, I am no longer having this be a joke and uh, I'm going to actually take this idea and give it to myself. Uh, and Farouk uh, eventually dropped that galactic gladiator gimmick and was joined by a manager called Clarence Mason. And he dressed up and Farouk was all dressed in all black, wearing a really long uh, leather black jacket. And Clarence Mason, um, I can't, there's no two ways to go around this. Clarence Mason definitely was told to dress very much to invoke the visuals of Malcolm X. There's no two ways around it. For, I mean, like, I don't question. think there's any part of this that you can look at and be like, there is not an obvious attempt to mimic the <laughs> stylings of Malcolm X or the Black Panther Party. Yeah. Pretty, pretty <laughs> much. Um, Clarence Mason, funnily enough, would end up being a manager, a wrestling manager for a few years, but is now a very successful attorney. And at, that <laughs> and at this time, was, was actually studying to be an attorney. So, kind of makes it, it kind of works its way around, really, how that works. <laughs> I was just looking this up, and then I, when you mentioned about the Wolfie D guy being the disciples of the new church, I I didn't realize he was Slash. Yeah, he was Slash. That horrifies me. He should have been nowhere near anything to do with this group. <laughs> and so here starts kind of the 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 beginnings of the nation. So on the October twenty eighth, ninety six edition of Monday Night Raw. Jim Ross revealed that Farouk had taken Mason in as his new manager after Jim Ross recommended his services for a lawsuit against Ahmed Johnson. Farouk was embedded in a rivalry with Ahmed during this time. Jim Ross, JR, noted that the duo would, would appear on their then talk radio show, TV show, Live Wire that Saturday, with big changes, in quotation marks, in store for Farouk. Meaning that, of course, as I said, he dropped that galactic gladiator gimmick and then and, yeah. and, and, and fully embraced the the nation of domination leader kind of role. Um, at this time, they were also accompanied like their debut promo was see would see Farouk and Clarence Mason in, enter the ring together, accompanied by three uh, other people who are um, paid actors. That were just there to stand in the rain to kind of kind of fill the numbers out and make it look like, I guess the visual of starting a movement basically was what Vince. Yeah, was but I'm not mad about there. that. If anything, that should happen more in wrestling. Exactly, exactly. But PG thirteen wouldn't be wouldn't be out of the room for too long because they were called up to the WWF to join Farouk to be part of the of the new nation of domination. Uh, rather than being leaders, they were the hype guys, the guys that would actually sing the rap version of their song that they did in USWA. And Farouk would recruit three wrestlers to his cause. Dio Brown, Savio Vega, and Crush. Yes, Kona Crush. Yes, the, the yes. Hawaiian white guy, you know? <laughs> Demolition Crush. <laughs> Oh my god! Yep, 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 yep. There we go. There it is. It, it's it it's it's just impressive to me about how 
so much of this group's identity is very clearly framed around one aspect of them, and they couldn't even get that part right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Just looking at the pictures, and just I hi- again, like I, I highly doubt there was ever any kind of conceptual vision about this potentially being a comment on colorism or something. It just like seeing like biker gimmick crush with the nation just looks so confusing to me. <laughs> can I get? Can I get? Uh, because we don't do this visually or with video. Um, just imagine the uh, the picture of Drake with the caption "Blood thinks he's on the team." <laughs> and so begins the original WWF incarnation of the nation, and they settled their sights for their first feud with Ahmed Johnson, who had who had been, as I said, embroiled with Farouk during this time. Come to the Royal Rumble. In 1997, the the nation would assist Farouk during his match against Ahmed Johnson. Eventually, though, Farouk would lose by DQ after Crush interfered and decided to attack Johnson rather than interfere in the match. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? The white guy. (laughs) He's not wrong. He's not. (laughs) I'm just saying. You are not, in fact, incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So, as I said, this was D'Lo's debut, and he wasn't actually wrestling for the nation at this time. He was simply, like Clarence Mason, was there to be sort of a managerial role at this time. Uh, It was actually Farouk, Crush, and Savio that were the main members who wrestled uh, during this time. Predominantly, they would end up being in a lot of six-man tag matches in in your house uh, shows. Uh, they would end up having that Chicago street fight at WrestleMania 13 against the Legion of Doom and Ahmed Johnson. God bless you, Nation of Domination. In 1997, you would have loved uh, 2021 New Japan. <laughs> You're damn right. And of course, in your house, a cold day in hell in Richmond, Virginia, in May of 97, there was a gauntlet match where uh, Ahmed Johnson had to face all those three members of the nation, eventually being defeated to Farouk. It was shortly after this that J.C. Ice and Wolfie D were removed from the the nation after a lot of... Oh my god, no, not Wolfie D. (laughs) PG-13 were ousted from the nation after losing their tag team debut, I guess, in WWF. Oh, you see, the problem is is PG-13 failed his ratings with the BBFC. (laughs) Uh, So basically, with the nation now being in absolute shambles, Farouk in a fit of anger, uh, ousted... All of the nation, except for D'Lo Browns. It was just him and uh, it was Farouk and D'Lo that were left. It was especially that especially came uh, uh, to fruition after the King of the Ring, where he lost against The Undertaker. And Farouk mostly blamed that because of distractions that Crush and Vega were having. But then they both got in, they both logged heads, uh, got into loggerheads of one another and decided to uh, cause a ruckus in the middle of the ring. Now, there was a reason as to why Clarence Mason uh, was actually removed from the group, uh, and it was not because of storyline things. According 
to uh, some shoot interviews that he's done and some subsequent uh, media on WWE.com and here, there and everywhere. He requested to be removed from the group because uh, mostly because during backstage, he was getting increasingly uncomfortable with Farouk doing uh, using racist remarks in promos and Vince McMahon wanting managers to start taking more bumps and having more of an active presence during matches, which you know what? fair game to Clarence because yeah. I guess yeah. he, he he just knew it wasn't comfortable and besides he had a like a like a very kind of like prosperous career as an attorney behind him anyway so he yeah. didn't really need to be there if he wanted to yeah like on one hand I get it on the other hand I'm kind of like I'm kind of like what what exactly was the line for you my dude like I might like don't get me wrong well played to him. Fair enough. Mm. But what? Why now? I'm genuinely curious. What? What changed there? <laughs> maybe it was the bump, but well, maybe it was Vince's insistence on managers taking more bumps. You know, probably I think would have I, been the bigger thing. I think he couldn't stand to miss uh, Wolfie D. <laughs> <laughs> no love for JC Ice then. Uh, no, <laughs> no, just Wolfie D. <laughs> <laughs> So, it is June 1997. We are right in the midst of summertime. It's a Raw is War episode, and Farouk comes out promising that he would deliver, and I'm quoting this, a bigger, badder, better, and blacker version of the Nation of Domination after firing all of the members except Brown. This would lead to the induction of Karma Mustafa, and Ahmed Johnson into the group. After Ahmed Johnson would turn on then WWF champion The Undertaker during a tag match against Farouk and Karma. Now, of course. Which is a wild Karma, concept in the first place. Karma's yeah. suffer, of course, is Charles Wright, who, of course, we know lovingly as Papa Shango, Karma, the Supreme Fighting Machine, uh, and the Godfather. Or you could also count the Goodfather, but we don't talk about yeah. the Goodfather. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, have we done an episode on Charles Wright? I don't think we no. have, have we? That man I've... has such an incredibly interesting life. <laughs> what a that guy will get his own episode. Well, I know what we said. Man. I know. I know we said before about doing an episode on Right to Censor. Yes, we have. <laughs> but that, that's, that's mostly because Right to Censor is one of our, possibly one of our most enduring bits. <laughs> it you is. Know, you know what's crazy? I wonder how much Steven, Stevie Richards gets paid for podcast appearances for him to appear on that episode. That's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> Stevie, if you're listening, I'll we send, want I'll you send on him that. A, I'll, send, <laughs> I'll send a cameo request. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> But Johnson's tenure with the nation would only last two weeks after suffering a legit, I believe it was a leg injury, uh, and was quickly replaced by the chipper blue baby face who was getting booed out of the building constantly, Rocky Mayavia. And oh man, little did any of us know how integral this was to Rocky's career. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, it's it's crazy how that happened. So um, it's it, and it's crazy how it ended up from being from a leg injury by Ahmed Johnson. Suddenly has that opening and that uh, bang, 
Rocky sees that opportunity to get in there. Anyway, during this time in 1997, we get to a period that is known simply as the Gang Wars. As former... Which again is a very, very loaded statement in the context of this group. It, yeah. it really, really is. Former Nation members Savio, Vega, and Crush would go on to form their own rival factions. Savio would head Los Broicras, made up entirely of Puerto Rican wrestlers, and Crush would form his biker gang, the Disciples of Apocalypse. Which, if you just wanted to see what incredibly racist white people look like, that's the Disciples of Apocalypse. And I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not apologising for that statement, because two of those people, as everybody knows, were racist as fuck. There you go. I mean, like, you know, you got, you got to call a pineapple a pineapple. Yeah, yeah. God, you know, it's just, like, man, this, man, the nation is such a weird, weird part of history. This is the thing that I'm saying, right? Which is that they organized the Los Boricuas and they organized that. And they're able to get the fact that all the, the Los Boricuas have to be Puerto Rican. Mm. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> why why do they get that bit and not the other one? <laughs> yeah, I is it is it literally just that too threatening? Is it literally, are they literally just making, like, is it just, no, I'm, I'm being, like, let's keep it 100 here. Let's keep it 100. I might as well out, outright say it. The reason we do this, this uh, Black History Month is to highlight, not only to highlight how, how great some of the, some of the black wrestlers have been out there, but to also highlight how shit they've been treated since day yeah. dot. Yeah. And, I honestly think the Nation of Domination's biggest problem is just that it makes that too real for an audience. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, they, they are the definition of why are you booing me, I'm right. Oh, gosh. Like, the amount like, of promos with that, when, it, when you watch, like, especially Rocky's promos at this time. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck it. No, he has some legitimate reasons as to why he's like he's being like this and being like, no, why the hell are you booing me? I'm fucking right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you told me like... to die for crying out loud. I mean, but this is the this is the thing though, right? Because there's so much that comes so heavily loaded when dealing with a topic like this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I find it insane about the concept of wrestlers that are using. Like that points about their identity or aspects about themselves, and then it literally turned into a "Why are you booing me? I am right" because they're making incredibly valid points. But the entire production show is like "Boo them loudly." Yeah, when they're literally—I mean, like they're—they're framing themselves on the "We need to empower black wrestlers." (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And for that, they must be destroyed. <laughs> that, that, like, that, that's literally the like, sentiment. That's, <laughs> that's that literally, literally is. Like, I, I really do, I really do kind of think about that. Like, I get why the culture. I mean, for God's sake, we know why New Jack. Yeah, had yeah, fucking, we know why New, New Jack had fucking Confederate flags f- thrown in his face. Mm. I mean, to, I mean, to be fair, New Jack also. 
was New Jack. But uh, I was gonna say, I would, I would, I would, I would argue that he maybe went further. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, but, can you imagine if they had New Jack on this shit? My God, Ryan. Well, that's basically that's basically the original run of the gangsters in. Um, yeah, no, it Smoky is Mountain, in yeah. uh, Smoky Mountain. It is. That was when um, New Jack cut the uh, the OJ promo. Oh fucking yeah. hell, yeah. Yeah, which is, which, um, but yeah, it's it, it's like it's like a wild. It's like that a thing came up the other day, um, where it was like, why do it's something like why do people, like well, like why does why does wrestling not touch certain subjects? Um, and, and literally the entire thing is. Oh, wrestling's tried to, and it's handled them all horrifically poorly. Mm-hmm. Oh, so badly. <laughs> because, like, again, I, I'm, I used, I used the word controversial to describe <laughs> <laughs> both the Nation of Islam and the Black Panther Party purely in American terms because they are seen as incredibly controversial. But like, the core message is like, you know, we need to empower our people and allow ourselves to self-determine and things like that yeah i mean the, the nation of islam gets wonky really fast we will not yeah. get into it yeah we will, we will not do, we're not we're not dealing with that aspect no. but then for 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 wrestling to be like we have a group which is so on the nose identifying with this concept now you must hate them <laughs> Hey, we're a comic book come to real life, so all of our nuances have to be like comic books. It is. You know what? You know what this reminds me of. You know that that tweet that went about about um like, you know when the villain starts making too much sense, they just gotta like kill a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. That this is like one of the wrestling equivalents of that. It, like. <laughs> Yeah, no, their points are too valid. We need to make them do something very, very. We need to make them be very, very bad very quickly. Yeah. And so I think I think that's what they hastily made this gang war thing. So it made them not kind of be a part of the main event picture and kind of have them at loggerheads with two different sorts of gangs. Oh, by the way, throw in the Truth Commission as well during this time into this gang war sort of thing. Oh yeah, the and Truth Commission. Set, set, the South American um, military faction. Um, none of them were from South Africa, may I? I just... <laughs> should, we, should we settle in the aspect of organizing a group of black wrestlers in a gang war system? I mean, I think it kind of speaks for itself, Dad. <laughs> I, mean, it speaks, I, I mean, it speaks to itself when Dave Meltzer rated it the worst feud of 1997. <laughs> Damn, that's Dave saying that's yeah, was. I was going to say, Meltzerman. yeah. <laughs> so as I said, all of this kind of basically takes na- the nation of domination up to the end of 19. 19- 97. During this time, The Rock's charisma would shine through even more, uh, thus becoming the co-leader of the nation and dropping Rocky Maivia, in short, to, of course, The Rock. Because he would. Ne- this is the time in his promos that he would talk about himself in the third person, to which then started a precedent for every other wrestler to talk about themselves in the third person. Yeah, it, 
kind of a fascinating thing there. I mean, it works, so go ahead. Very true. Very true. It's almost like he's trying to embody a powerful personal public speaker. <laughs> <laughs> As we get to the end of the, uh, of uh, their time in 1997, The Rock ends up um, <clears throat> ended up in a feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin over the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, the rest is history. The rest, honestly, <laughs> the rest is history. As of course, these two would fight for the title here and there. This also has that amazing moment of Austin saying, "I really don't, I really don't care about you and the WWF," and so he throws the Intercontinental Title in the river, which of course is replicated one year later with Stone Cold and his smoking skull belt, to which the oh. goes, "Go to hit." Might I say, I appreciate the restraint of the bookers and writers to not have Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is, and I say this with all of the love in my in my heart, a a man that looks like the like the absolute like if you could build a racist looking man, it would look like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I appreciate and I say that having love with all of my heart. Now here's the Res- thing. Res- was... With the greatest of respect, sorry Sam, I need to say that because this will only make sense to a certain group of people. But Stone Cold is like the American aspect of where if I say, look, I don't think he is, but Sean Dyche just kind of looks that way, like that kind of person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stone Cold is the American version of that. Yeah, absolutely. He, like everything we have ever seen. That's, I mean, that's why in The Longest Yard, him actually saying the N-word was just horrifying. That life we've seen is still the most uncomfortable yeah. thing I've ever sat through in a film. I'm just saying, just- man. It it just makes every subtext text about that about that man and that look. It's the worst. So I appreciate Booker's not having him fight the Nation of Domination. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I'm just glad that it was solely centered on him and The Rock. Now, of course, there were a couple of promos where Austin was questioning the motives of the nation here and there. Of course, like that always is seems to be a thing with when someone comes to, like is adjacently rivalry or kind of feuding with the nation so it wasn't a single kind of like a solo case when it came to austin but there was always a couple of things there here and there about him questioning the motives of this time after that though rock is the intercontinental champion and he goes on to have that now kind of really fondly remembered rivalry of 1998 with ken shamrock Mm-hmm. As they both feud for the Intercontinental title, which then takes him to WrestleMania 14, where I believe it was Rocky versus Shamrock for the IC title. During this time, though, as I said uh, in the last episode, The Rock, uh, kind of usurping Farouk's power at this time as the leader of the nation, ends up recruiting a new member to its ranks, Mark Henry. Uh, should have worked better should have worked better absolutely he turns yeah i feel like there was so much more that could have been done with that yeah no honestly 
Because also, though, just in terms of, like, A, the aspect of just having muscle, Mark Henry's a pretty good one to have. Yeah. Oh, damn, right. I mean, if, if anything if anything uh, comes out of the episode we did last week, I think that's yeah. a given. <laughs> but also, just, I feel like, you know, I mean, obviously by this point, they're so far from their original aspect. Exactly. But, like, the, the doing the doing the doing the black empowerment thing while having mark henry with you yes the... as literally a thing of black excellence yes <laughs> yes absolutely before i go on to the rock becoming the leader of the nation i want to remind you guys of uh, an amazing uh, little promo in uh, i think in and around early 1998 involving uh, or uh, the nation of domination. The Rock was in a kind of like Rock was in kind of like heat with Farouk at this time, and as a way of forgiving and a way of kind of uh, mending bridges uh, during this time, the Rock decides to gift all the na- members of the nation presents. Uh, so he gives Karma, Delo, and Mark brand new gold Rolex watches as a way of of mending the bridges and telling him that he's still solid with them. And, it's na- and he is very much a member of the Nation of Domination. But there's a much bigger present for the leader, Farouk. It's kind of very big, rectangular, kind of looks like a canvas print. So Farouk unwraps this present, looks at it, and it's, an, it's a giant blown up 8x10 image of the rock holding the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Which, by Incredible the way, moment. which by the way, Dwayne would go to repeat later in a special table for free episode on the network, which had for, uh, Rod Simmons, Mark Henry, and the Godfather on. And so Dwayne gifts Mark Henry and uh, the Godfather. I think it was diamond encrusted Rolex watches, and uh, he gives he gives Rod Simmons a, an eight by ten black and white headshot of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I now the question I have is, did he keep those pictures? I want to think that I love the fact that if Ron did keep those pictures, just to get pull a rib on on Dwayne so much, hanging over the toilet. Yeah, I really hope so. I really hope that he kept those pictures. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the night after WrestleMania 14, the March, late March episode of Raw, is uh, after his, um, I believe it was unsuccessful, wasn't it, at WrestleMania 14? Unsu- oh no, was it successful defense? It was a successful defense of the Intercontinental Championship because Ken did win, and then after the bell put on an ankle lock and was disqualified. And so The Rock retained the championship. After all that happened, The Rock, angry with how everything went and Farouk not helping him be after the uh, the aftermatch beatdown from Ken, goes and usurps leadership of the nation from Farouk, which now brings us to the final incarnation of the Nation of Domination. With The Rock as leader, they drop the Domination part of their name, and uh, and it's sort of uh, the connotations of what they were doing, and becomes more of a, like a, uh, a more of a hip kind of of the time group faction, where they have a much more of a funkier guitar-driven um, 
uh, theme song, which was basically the precursor to The Rock's theme song at this point. It's crazy. If you listen to The Nation theme, you realize that, wow, most of all of the uh, of the thematic cause and the, and the musicality of that theme is pretty much The Rock's theme song. <laughs> <laughs> this would, of course... See all of the members considerably changing their characters. Come Mustafa would now come in wearing a wearing a trilby hat, smoking a cigar with sunglasses, accompanied by ladies. Eventually, changing his name to the Godfather. This would also see Dilo Brown's transformation into, of course, the uh, the over exaggerated strut and bobblehead movements he would do during Hell his entrance. Yeah. <laughs> and this would see the Rock recruit a brand new co-leader to the group, the main man Owen Hart. See, now, do we want to talk now, about Owen Hart's again, inclusion in the nation? Okay, we have so... we have reverted back to having a white guy in there. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I look. Owen Hart is Owen Hart, right? Owen Hart being included in the Nation of Domination is the beginning of the end. I'm sorry. It's it true. just is. There are there are many things that Owen that Owen is uh, a great wrestler, a brilliant technician, a great mind for what works in wrestling. Funniest a man in the locker this room. Group. A fit for this group, he is not. <laughs> no. Now we're going. We are fresh, and I mean fresh from Brett being uh from Brett leaving the company for the Montreal screw job. Owen was unsure what to do, but Brett kind of told him, look, for the sake of everything, just stay, because I know you're making a you're making a lot of money, a good money, and I know you're retiring soon anyway to focus on your family. Stay and make your money. The problem was of course that they were trying to find a way to take to to do that kind of go screw you, Brett, and they saw Owen and kind of were kind of not giving him as good thing as good storylines and, and as good like things that he could sink his teeth into it this time. Of course this would him be adopting his black heart persona, which was basically the enough is enough and it's time for a change, basically kind of being a anti-authority figure as well. Not so much of Steve Austin quality, but being a guy that said you like, especially to Vince, he was very that one promo where Vince called him out and basically got quite physical with Vince and saying, you screwed my brother and I have nothing to owe you. And so that could have worked, but seemingly, I don't think they realised what they had and realised what they could capitalise off of it and decided to just stick him with the Nation of Domination because ah, well, Owen's there, we might as well just put him in something. A lot of that also comes from, of course, the, the rumblings, of course, of Steve at this time, who was WWF champion. Owen, uh, uh, Owen, of course, was in that match with Steve at SummerSlam, which caused the neck break. And, of course, that sort of made Steve a little bit resentful of Owen and being like, you caused harm to me in the ring and I'm not really wanting you to be kind of facing you anymore and stuff like that, which is another reason as to why that's probably the case as well. But... We won't know for sure. We weren't in the backstage area during all of this. If that was the case, man, that's some neglect from my parents because I'm a six-year-old in the backstage of the <laughs> WWF show. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this would go probably to the probably the one of the worst moments, if you can call it the worst moments of the nation. 
was their rivalry with D-Generation X. And of course, that promo. Yes. Which saw DX parody all of the group all of the members of the Nation of Domination. Now Though I will there's... say this, Jason Sensation does a really good impression of Owen Hart. <laughs> okay. There's there's that, right? But there there's a whole other part to this. And that's the fact that this happened in the first place. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I had a nickel for every time Triple H has done has done some weird things towards black people in wrestling, I'd have two nickels, which is too many. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's not a lot, but it's strange it's happened twice. Yeah, the more I watch Triple H uh, uh, and, and realizing, man, there's a lot of racial stuff that you've had in your career, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> because. The the thing the thing with this right is that I mean a anyone who says it was a different time get out of this room right now yeah yes because there's the, I feel like the really key part to think was is this was on network TV <laughs> yes because this is what ninety eight mm. right so what raw raw showing syndic on syndicated network TV. Mm. So, th- uh, obviously, there's that aspect to it. How did this get off the, uh, we'll say, the cutting room floor? Mm. <laughs> but also, just the fact of like, at, at no point does anyone seem to question it. <laughs> yeah, that's the craziest. Everyone, thing. everyone involved in it just kind of goes along. <laughs> Like I And it's just like Ha huh. Now I don't know I haven't been able to see what was the thoughts and feelings of the guys of the of of the members of the nation about this. But what I do know is I dug up a little story with Sean Walkman saying I deeply deeply regret doing that I I can't watch it for obvious freaking reasons and he said it took a lot to it took a lot to get back into good terms with Mark Henry I'm not surprised yeah Yeah. like just the worst. Yeah. Um, just... But no, I'm I, I, I'm just kind of glad in a sense that Sean realizes what he did, and was very, yeah. very apologetic about it. I mean, it shouldn't have happened in the first place, but still, it's just, it's just there, there's so many strange moments. What's the craziest thing though is that Sean is the only person who's been documented as saying that. Uh, he's only there's only the news story and news article that Sean's the only person at the moment who's gone has come out and said that. Uh, I don't know what, if it's the same for uh, for Road Dog for uh, for Triple H. Um, uh, I, I think Billy Gunn was part of it as well at that point, wasn't he? Would he have been? I believe he. I think yeah. Was, 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 was X Park there? X Park was definitely there because he was impersonating Mark Henry. Because I'm because I'm because I'm fairly sure that he 
I have a feeling that he said something about it at some point. Yeah, as I said, yeah, that was Sean, but, Sean Waltman who came out. But like, the there apology. there are some there are some weird moments. Yeah, yeah, like in this, it it it, it really is in the, in the realms of I cannot explain this. Yeah. And so the fall of the nation, if you can, if you if you want to call it that, the the dissolution of the of the nation, goes out with with a sizzle rather than a massive bang. So a culmination of a lot of things. The main one being that Rock's popularity was absolutely skyrocketing, um, as his hill tact uh, tactics were actually now getting incredibly over with fans. His mannerisms, the swagger that he had. Uh, and of course, his catchphrase, if you smell what the rock is cooking, was catching on like gangbusters, which would lead to, to uh, the company turning him face in the process. As for Owen, he would go on to have a hiatus after they tried to recreate the botched pile driver spot on a Raw episode where Hart did it to Dan Seven. Dan was which, okay. is a, which is a crazy sentence, by the yeah, way. That's a crazy sentence. <laughs> they Dan, tried to recreate the botched the botched power driver spot. The crazy thing is, Dan Seven would come like would come out uh, several years later, saying, "Oh yeah, that thing. Owen actually did drop me on my head. So thank goodness I actually came out of that pretty unscathed because he did. I my head did hit the canvas. That's oh. insane. <laughs> oh man." That is uh, that is nuts. But that would he would resurface as the blue blazer, and we all know how that ended. Unfortunately, yeah. Godfather would venture out as as a fan favorite and really double down on the pimp gimmick. <laughs> Shout out to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the hoe train being a, a staple, I guess you could say, of the Attitude Era in that. Are there any pimps in this house? This would leave D'Lo and Mark Henry as the sole two members that kept the nation going for for a little bit of time. Uh, soon enough, dropping it, though, at the end of 1998, as Henry would go on to become sexual chocolate and D'Lo would have a really good run with the European Championship. That really is a sense, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's sense. Don't, don't remind me. Don't remind me. So what happened <laughs> to all of these guys afterwards? Of course, The Rock would go on to have an incredible run as WWF champion in 1999, being part of the corporate ministry. It's eventually going back to being babyface and forming the Rock and Sock connection, which, again, crazy how he got so... Like, his popularity skyrocketed in 1999. Good not have worked it just not straight have worked, up but it straight up shouldn't have worked <laughs> of course as i said godfather would become a staple in the wwf in that time as the godfather of course with the hoe train being a huge thing mark henry as i said as sexual chocolate eventually going on to uh, of course doing a great things as we said in our last episode if you want to know more go listen to the two-hour episode where we gush about mark henry's <laughs> career as a powerlifter <laughs> Farouk would go to find success soon enough as part of the Acolyte Protection Agency with Bradshaw, winning the tag team Always pound an ass. <laughs> three times in that case. Which, by the way, I don't know about you, I really liked the APA. As we've said, mercenaries for hire sort of gimmick is need is like is is such untapped potential there, in, in there, wrestling. There's something in there. There's something in it. I don't know what, but someone needs to use it. Someone needs to figure it out. Yeah, just just 
the eight, Although I, re- yeah, I reckon it, I reckon it should be Brian Keith as the bounty hunter. <laughs> I, you know, I, you're right. You know, sign Brian Keith and AEW guys. Come on. Um, I always really like the backstage gimmick of APA just having a table with a table light and a beer and cards and just like a wooden mm-hmm. door that had no walls. It was just the wooden <laughs> door. <laughs> oh. So as of right now, if where are they now? Simmons, Rock, and Godfather are still the only members employed by WWE, where of course Mark Henry, as I said, is now part of AEW Wrestling. Uh, Rock, of course, is now the highest paid actor in Hollywood. <laughs> Whoever thought that happens. Uh, Farouk, of course, still makes occasional appearances uh, since his retirement in 2004. Godfather still makes occasional appearances. And as we know, it's the manager of a very successful gentleman's club. <laughs> D'Lo Brown is still making appearances in professional wrestling here, there and everywhere. It was first released by the company in 2003, had a run in TNA, eventually getting rehired for a blink and you'll miss it run in 2008. And as of right now, that's bringing pretty much the nation as is. Except for last year. Whereas the company, the up-and-coming pro wrestling company known as Qatar Pro Wrestling, announced that Henry, Brown, Godfather and Farouk would reprise their roles as the Nation of Domination and made their appearance and return at QPW Sub Super Slam 3 in Doha, Qatar in February 2022. (laughs) I hope they were paid a lot of money for that. God damn, they couldn't get Ahmed Johnson for that one. <laughs> oh, oh, Big T in WCW. Nah, nah, they couldn't. <laughs> unreal. That, and that, that's, fellas, that's unreal. is the history of the nation of domination. How are we feeling after the end of all of that? Okay, I have only one thought. I've only had one thought this entire time. Thank God they didn't bring this back for when Life Black Matter was at its height. Thank goodness. Well, I mean, (laughs) thank God they didn't actually bring this back for the new day. Because there was a huge rumor going around that that was what they were going to be. Because they kind of started off with that and then moved away very sharply. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then also they have, we had. I mean, I'm going to argue that Retribution was a partial continuation of this. Or at least in the same thematic vein, and then mm-hmm. you had the hurt business, mm. and the hurt business, the hurt business very quickly became people being like, "Oh, I think popular black wrestlers should be part of the hurt business," and I'm like, "That's not how it works." Yeah, <laughs> as we still say, I still maintain the biggest untapped potential of the 2020s in wrestling was the hurt business. Oh yeah, one billion percent. How? Why they I... never? Which is why I'm kind of kind kind of hopeful of Bobby Lashley's new faction. For fuck's sake, mm-hmm. do not mess that up. Yeah. I... <laughs> but yeah, that is pretty much our, the entire history of the Nation of Domination. Um, I don't want to say if this was enjoyable, if anything. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was fun going down memory lane of all the things, that's for sure. It's called... It's- it's called WWE syst- fails to understand systematic issues which affect people at a deep level. That's yep. the word I was I mean, looking for. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. I mean, 
man. It's such a... Being a black wrestling fan is hard sometimes, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just... I, I, oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine some of the difficulty that must come with it. Like, some, like on one hand, they all had great airtime. They all had their good moments. And it made The Rock a thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a net good. That's a net positive. But did it have to be this way? Or if it had to be this way... Could it have been a little bit more nuanced? Could couldn't it have been a Daniel a Daniel Bryan heel run where it's like we agree with everything you're saying, you're just kind of assholes about it? That would have been nice. Nuance. Come on. Subtlety? Fuck that. For <laughs> wrestling reasons. Literally, all you had to remember do, is you... if, it, if it's too nuanced, then the people, the people who care most about your product won't get it. Yeah, I know. Uh, you just spell it out in Duplo ABC letters. I know, but literally, all you need is Ron Simmons saying, "I was the first black champion, and look how I've been treated." That's all you fucking need. That's it. That's all you literally need, and it would have fucking ran like hell. But of course, this but, is the time where they couldn't, they could not, well, they didn't want to acknowledge competitors, did they? Especially WCW at this time. Yeah, it, it's so un, it's so unreal. Mm. The fact that this is, bear in mind, this will ha- this is all happening in the nineties, like yeah, <laughs> like even even the film industry had caught on by this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean for reasons that are very interesting and also very cynical, but we won't get into that as well. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, but like, like yeah, fun fact, uh, listener, look up why Nickelodeon was so black during the 90s. The answer is fascinating and will depress you. Oh, here it goes. No. <laughs> but yeah, just, man, man. Yeah. I think that's all I, that's all I can say is just, Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've got something to cheer you up with, Raiden. Oh yeah. Our next episode, and it's one that you've been wanting to do for the longest time, and it's one that I'm very happy that I guess in t- in light of spooky and spooky month as well that we tied this perfectly for our final episode. For this year's Black History Month, it's about time that we talked about the Boogeyman. Let's go! <laughs> oh. Boogie- certified Boogeyman moment. Oh my god. Yes, yes, absolutely. Let's talk about this fucking madman. I love him so much. <laughs> From his first appearance in, t- in the, I think it was the Million Dollar Tough Enough to eventually getting a contract with the company. This man this man getting into the wrestling business at a very late age, but still managing to make it work. Well, I say managing to make it work. A lot of people still say that he couldn't work despite that. <laughs> but still making it work and going, getting over with probably one of the most... The outlandish gimmick in all of wrestling, I feel... <laughs> He's, uh, he, he's he's testament to the truth of that if you're if you're just weird enough people will in fact pay attention to you yes. he, is, he is testament enough to to one understanding the goddamn assignment <laughs> uh, know your market knowing the market and just 
Oh, no, I'm so excited to talk about the movie. I'm so fucking excited. I'm so hyped. It's you so no crazy idea. that it worked so much that he's still under a Legends contract. But we'll get into that in in <laughs> in our next episode. I'm so looking forward to it. Until then, though, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Rita, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We will see you all on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.